remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus, we have 14 verses of Scripture to read this morning. I'd like to read the entire chapter, but for time's sake, we'll only read 14 of the 25 verses. And they're not in order, so just read every other verse with me, please. So I'd like to begin in verse number 1, and then we'll go to verses 4 and 5, and then verses 15 through 25, and I'll give you instruction again as we go forward here. Exodus chapter 7, verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Verse 4, would you read it with me, please? But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Verse 5, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And let's go to verse number 15, please, and read that with me every other verse going forward. Go, get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against the to come. And the rod which was turned into a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand. And thou shalt say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews have sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink. And the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, that they may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did as so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the rivers, the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the Egyptians digged round about the river for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. And may God have his blessing in the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at this first account of the first plague of Egypt, dear God, may you speak to our hearts, dear God, may we address the question this morning of what gods do we fear? Well, thank you for it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Exodus for the third week in a row, Exodus chapter 7 this morning. This is the account of the first plague of the Egypt, of course, so turning the river Nile to blood. Most of you are familiar with the story, the first of the ten plagues. Our text first would be verse number one as we 
It's a strange verse in some context. As we read it, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Interesting. Egypt, like the world, had hundreds of gods. In fact, uh, over 2,000 gods and goddesses of nearly every stripe and color. We got a few pictures of uh, some, some of their gods here in a few minutes here. And uh, at least 24 of these 2,000 plus gods were judged, in a sense, through the, 20, through the 10 plagues. And we're going to look at four of them at least. And Pharaoh himself considered himself to be a god. He was feared by his people as a god. And uh, it's like Alexander the Great, like many of the ancients of days gone by, I used to think they were just full of mythology, but they had reason to believe that. And it ties into Genesis chapter 6, and that's another message. But there's a day when uh, the sons of men cohabited with the daughters of men, and uh, the, I believe demonic angels came down and cohabited with men, of course. And uh, so the, the Egyptians, like the world, had hundreds of gods, and they feared, and therefore they served them in their, their entire earthly lives. Whom you fear, you serve. And uh, we've been, this, this year, 2022, our theme, of course, has been, and now, James, Jeremiah 5.24, now let us fear the Lord. We've been fearing a lot of things, and we still fear a lot of things. And uh, I have an application this morning in regards to our premise. And that is, Americans have their version of their own gods. We could bash Egypt, the Egyptians, and the Grecians, and the Romans, and all the pagans of years, uh, centuries gone by for their worship of pagan gods and goddesses of stick and sto- sticks and stones that are imaginary in their heads. But Americans have their own version of gods that we worship. We have the continues to few, the gods of pleasure. Uh, we now have the, you know, abortion is supposedly down in our country. Well, that's thanks to the morning after pill, I'm afraid to tell you. And it's uh, uh, the god of convenience. Have your fun and then take care of the problem and then, and, uh, through the, uh, the ability to uh, exterminate that, that live, live being in your bosom, of course. We have the gods not of pleasure, but America has the gods of popularity, selling out their Christianity and conviction for worldly acceptance. And many Christians are, want to be popular with the world, of course. We have the gods of possession. The more stuff we have, the, the, we, we, we seek stuff more than we seek the Savior. Many people are probably not in churches all across America today because they're seeking stuff and not the Savior, seeking more, more materialism. And then the, the gods of prosperity, uh, slaving after the almighty dollar over slaving or serving the almighty Lord. And so God said to Pharaoh, I'm going to make, or to Moses, that he was going to make him a god in Pharaoh's eyes. I ask you the question this morning, here's the premise for our message this morning. The, the question is, what gods do I fear? And I want you to personalize this message here. What gods do I fear this morning? Verses 14 through 17. Let me read verses 14 and 15, if you could. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. In verse number 15, God said to Moses, Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning, 
And lo, he goeth unto the waters, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against he come. And the rod which thou hast turned to, was turned to a serpent, shalt thou take in thine hand. There's, this morning, I ask you a question this, as we begin this morning. The, the first, uh, God said we, we, we sometimes fear and sometimes we serve. When we fear them, we serve them. Sometimes we serve the gods of our own choosing. Of our own choosing. Pharaoh himself chose to consider himself as a god, and his people undoubtedly thought he was a god as well. He was, uh, had the ability to do magical powers. There's no doubt about it. He was, we, would, we would know it as satanic powers. Not all the thing, everything that's supernatural is not of God. Don't forget that. Satan has powers. And uh, his magicians, you know the story well, were able to turn their, their, their staffs into serpents as well. And Moses' staff, later on Aaron's staff, would gobble up Moses, or rather the, the magicians of Pharaoh. And, uh, but Pharaoh was a god in his own eyes, and he was a god in his people's eyes, and uh, they, they worshipped him. They, the Bible says that he went down to the water, and scholars believe that the season was probably June or July. It was when the banks overflowed, all their, their, their rivers overflowed their banks. It was the highest point in the Nile. And he went down probably, probably for his daily devotions to, to worship the chief gods of Egypt, I said there were 24, at least 24 gods and goddesses that were judged by the 10 plagues of, of uh, Egypt. Obviously, we don't have time this morning to, to deal with the first plague, the plague of the, of the, of the Nile, the turning to blood. But it was, a, it was an affront to uh, three gods of the Egyptians. The most chief god, was the, that his name was Osiris. And uh, he had a... A wife named Iris, of course, and uh, and she was uh, the the she male god, and he was the he was the male god. He was the, he was the god of the not now the bloodstream of the Nile, Osiris, and then there was the god of Canum, which is really Num, and the K is silent. He was the guardian of the river's source. And then there was a third god, a god by the name of Hapi, H A P I, and that was the spirit of the Nile. Let me do that again just for, to, to get the context. So when the river is smitten, of course, three gods are, are defeated. The god of Osiris, he's, he, now, the Nile was his bloodstream. That would be analogous uh, or uh, synonymous with the Lord Jesus Christ, who was saved by his blood. Canum was the guardian of the river's source. That would be representative of God the Father. And Hapi would be the spirit of the Nile. That would be representative of God the Holy Spirit. So the, the first plague was wrought by Yahweh, Jehovah. We looked at the name yesterday, last Sunday morning, of course, of the great I Am, Yahweh, Jehovah. We have in our Bible, of course, the Lord. And this God, the first plague was wrought by Yahweh was complete dominance against Egypt's unholy trinity. In the Revelation, just for the record, we'll look in the next weeks to come, Lord willing, on Sunday night we'll get there eventually, but we'll look at the unholy trinity of the beast and the Antichrist and the false prophet in Revelation. Satan always tries to imitate the things of God. And even, even with uh, the Egyptians, he had three gods that uh, the Egyptians worshipped as the false father, false son, and false Holy Spirit. And so uh, 
these were the gods of the Egyptians choosing. And people choose their own gods today. And, and it's not much different than the mindset that we have today. People and nations choose their gods. They choose the god of communism. We have half of America that wants to have a communist country now. They don't even know all the evils of it. We've got a generation that has no idea what communism really is. We have gods of fascism. And where the corporations uh, line up and uh, get in bed, pardon the slang, with, uh, with the government officials and so forth to wreak their havoc. We have gods of socialism in America and around the world. Socialism is, is uh, touted as something good and social and justice and equity. We have the gods of anarchy, BLM and, uh, and Antifa and on we could go. The gods of diversity. And uh, the LGBTQ movement and many in the, the diversity crowd and the, the genders roles. I don't know if you've seen what's been happening in women's sports and the, the field of uh, swimming, for example. It's one example. We have the gods of totalitarianism, where censorship of any speech is not deemed not deemed uh, or is deemed corrupt. That's pardon me. That's deemed corrupt by the ruling elite is 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 uh, pur- purged. And we've lost our First Amendment in our country. We have people that believe that it's, it's right and it's proper and we need to safeguard. That's just exactly what communism wanted to do. We now have wokeism. And uh, it's part of our society, of course. And we looked at Agenda 21 in, uh, 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 last week, last Sunday night, in our message as well. And uh, we have the global uh, people that want to have a global one-world government, of course. And... Uh, it reminds me of Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. The Bible says there that in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that was just right in their own eyes. Everybody, does, everybody chooses their own gods and goddesses, and whether it be the god of capitalism or communism or socialism or fascism or whatever they, they want to choose, or the god of science, whatever the god is, they just choose their gods and they, they, they go with that. In fact, Proverbs 14, 12 says, See who you fear, you respect, and you think, you think it's right. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right unto man, but then thereof are the ways of death. The world has always had a multitude of gods. We've got, we're competing with gods of secularism today. We're competing with gods of materialism today. We're competing with gods of, 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 uh, of the cults and so forth. In fact, I Googled, and I got to quit Googling, and I got to start making commercials, and I've got to, I got to permanently start duck duck going instead of Googling, and quit your Googling too. It's, uh, you don't 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 feed that beast, and it's a beast for the record, and uh, I need to preach more on that. And but I did Google the other day how many different religions in the world. The answer that Google gave me was over 4,300 and counting, 4,300 different religions. You can choose to worship whoever you want to, whenever you want to, however you want to. Joshua made the, the assertion to the people of Israel after taking them through the promised land, of course, and into the land of Canaan. He said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as you want to serve the gods of Egypt and gods, gods of the world, you go right ahead. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a choice to be made. We've got to choose who we're going to serve. We get to verse number 16 of our text. Notice what it says with me, please. It says... Moses came to Pharaoh in verse 16. Notice who's in, in, in whose name he comes. And thou shalt say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews. You see the Lord all capitalized there. Yahweh again, or Jehovah, as we looked at last week, of course. 
the Jehovah God of the Hebrews have sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And so we see Moses came to Pharaoh in the name of the I Am. And I want to remind us this morning here, you can choose any God you want to or any goddess you want to. This is a free country, I always tell people, and a free, we have free freedom to believe whatever we want to believe, and people believe thousands of different gods. But Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so Moses came to Pharaoh in a singular, with a singular, in a singular name, the name of the Lord God of, of the Hebrews. And that's who we come to. We serve the one and only true God this morning here. Verse 17, notice what it says. Thus saith the Lord, in this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite the rod that is in the, smite with rod that is in thine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. Notice that in this verse we see in the context that the Lord gave Pharaoh several opportunities to choose him as the one and only true God. But Pharaoh, as we see time and time again, two times in this passage of Scripture before us, he hardened his heart. He said, I'm not going to believe that. And, uh, you know, I, I preach the best I can every Sunday, of course, every Wednesday, whatever, whenever I preach. And, and um, people can choose to believe it or not. And uh, it's not what thus saith Marty Schott. Hopefully it's what thus saith the Lord. And that we believe, we believe God's word, of course. Pharaoh was confronted with the truth. He had a choice to make, but he hardened his heart. And uh, you don't have to choose Christ today. But one day you'll know that he is the Savior regardless. See, in, the, in our text, Pharaoh, he didn't choose God. He didn't choose the Lord God. As we go through this story, not in the first plague, not in the second plague, not in the third plague, not in the tenth plague. Not until he didn't choose God even when he went to the Red Sea. He didn't choose God or revere or fear God until the moment that he was swallowed up in that Red Sea and, uh, and he met his maker. And he met, he met the Jehovah God. And then he knows, Pharaoh knows today who the one and only true God is. And what God do you fear? The gods of your own choosing? There's so many we can choose. The God of sleep, the God of convenience, the God of uh, ease, or the God of... Uh, the God of the, the, the Lord God of the Hebrews. But then I want you to notice, secondly, verse number 18. Let me read the verse. And the fish that is in the river shall, st- shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. The r- river Nile was the lifeblood of the children of, uh, children of Egypt, or rather, the, the Egyptian economy. In fact, today, 96% of all of Egypt, I understand, is within four miles east or west of the River Nile, the longest river in, 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 of course, Africa, obviously. And the source of the Nile, the Egyptians didn't know where the source came from, where, the, where it started from. They never took that 4,000-mile journey. And they thought, it would, of course, it emanated from the Osiris, it was, uh, uh, where the, uh, or the, from Kanum, the guardian of the river's source. But secondly, I ask the question, the gods, who, who do you serve this morning? Who do we serve? Who do we fear? Do we serve God simply of my daily living? You see, it's said that some people, it said the river had fish. Most rivers do have fish, but some people, you've heard it said before, that some people love to fish. How many love to fish here? 
no fishermen, no three or three or four people love to fish. And then some people actually live on fish. They actually make their life on fish. I never could understand. I went down to, I paid big money for this a few years ago. I'll tell you a funny story. I think it's a funny story. I spent, uh, I never went fly fishing in my life until four or five years ago. And my relatives wanted to, on the sunny side of the family, wanted to go to, uh, uh, we were in, uh, where we were at, Tennessee, I guess. We went to, uh, we spent $40 a piece, $45 a piece, all that wanted to go to go fly fishing for a day and have a professional take you fly fishing. And I caught all day long, I'm in this, I'm in this, in this rapid stream here, and I caught a fish, I caught my first fish, my trout was that big. And uh, that was, that was and, and then, and then, and then even if you caught a big fish, you had to throw the fish back in the water. And then you paid the guy a tip on top of it, so the day cost me like $65 to stand in cold water and fish for a fish this big that I had to throw back anyhow. I don't understand, no offense to you fishermen, I don't understand that. If you, if you fish, you ought to be able to keep your fish. And these Egyptians, they loved their fish. The fish was the main staple in their diet, of course. The Nile River was their source of life, literally speaking. They, I'm, sure, I'm sure none of us have been to Egypt here. At least I haven't been to Egypt. I don't think anybody's anybody been to Egypt here. I don't think so. Anybody at all? I didn't think so. Last time I checked, it's desert. And it's desert uh, to the east and west for hundreds of miles in both directions, obviously, uh, from the Nile River. The Nile is the, the whole source of life uh, from the, the children of Egypt, so they worshipped it. And uh, many people worship in the same way that the, the, these Egyptians worshipped. What do they worship? They worship fish or they worship food, daily living. You know, some people, uh, and he, let's just be honest here again, who doesn't like to eat here? We all like to eat. I mean, I prove it by just standing up here every day and every time I stand up at the pulpit. You know I like to eat. And uh, some, some like to eat more than I do, and some people like to eat less than I do. And you can kind of tell, no offense, I don't mean to be crass this morning, but food makes us happy. Some people eat to live, but many people live to eat. And I've always said so many times when I go, Sonny likes to go to the same three restaurants. Uh, after the service, I'll tell you what those three restaurants are. Same three restaurants all the time. It's like, would you, could, could we please check something out, something different? I like variety. And I always say, you know, so little time, so many restaurants. You know, so many places I'd like to chew, try, try, of course. And uh, the, so little time. But why, why do I like to try so many restaurants? Because there's so much good food out there to eat. We love food. And uh, people will do, people, uh, what people will do for a bowl of soup. Remember the story of Jacob and Esau? And Jacob sold his birthright for a bowl of porridge. Can you imagine that? Some people will even kill over a morsel of food. It's been happened down through history many times where people would literally kill. And I don't want to get graphic and so forth, but I can think of prison camps and concentration camps, I'm sure, where people literally would kill each other just to get another morsel of food keep it alive for another day or two. And then uh, it's not an exaggeration to say that food can become a god in our lives. Uh, there's that show on TV. I've, I've watched about 30 seconds of it. Just I couldn't resist myself. I finally turned it on. And literally for about 30 seconds, I'm talking about my, my 600-pound life. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever seen that. But it's, it's I don't want to say it's gross. It was, it's sad. It's actually sad. And... Uh, I want you to consider for a moment here as we consider this. The Egyptians had a 
they love to eat so much, they love their fish so much, they had a goddess for their fish. Uh, Hadmete, uh, if I say the name right here, I guess I think we have a picture of that. And it's, I don't know if we do or not. We have that picture, Dustin, or no? And uh, had a fish on top of her head, and they worshiped, and you can Google these gods and goddesses that are in part of Egyptian mythology, and they, 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 worship, these, uh, they worship the fish goddess. But when we consider the goddess of, or rather the, the gods or goddesses of gluttony, of food, and you know, I don't preach much on the sin of gluttony. We like to preach on alcoholism. We like to preach on drug usage and so forth. And the uh, Bible does say in Proverbs 23, 2, if thou be a man given to appetite, put a knife to thy, 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 thy throat, and I paraphrase. But we don't like to preach on gluttony too much because it's, it's too close to home, of course. And, uh, but uh, food can be a god in our life. It can be, some people live to eat, literally. They make it a god in their life. But then not only do we see in verse number 18 uh, this fish, but then the, the, the attack on this fish god, goddess, I should say, but this attack on the river itself, the lifeblood. The, the water, river of Nile was drinking water. And it's been said in Plutarch, who was of ancient of days gone by, you may have heard of that name, but he said that uh, the Egyptians felt that the water of Egypt was the best water there was to drink anywhere in the whole world. There was always fresh water and so forth, and they just drank it straight from the River Nile. And now God cursed it. The river God was so important to these Egyptians that upon a set day every year, they would sacrifice one, ba- one boy and one girl uh, to the river because uh, they worshipped it as a god. And the waters of Nile, of course, are turned to blood. And the Bible records it. By the way, look at verse number 18, 17 again in the last part of the verse. And they shall turn, and they shall turn, pardon me, and they shall be turned to blood. The river shall be turned to blood. Let me tell you what the river was turned to. Are you ready? Blood. The Bible says it turned to blood. People say, well, it wasn't really blood. It just turned, God just stirred up the bottom of the lake or bottom of the riverbed and just the red clay came to the surface and so forth and uh, fish can live through that. My Bible says that it was, that God smote the river and it turned to blood. People say, well, that's this Bible. Nobody, nobody believes that, of course. Well, the Ippawar papyrus, we got a picture of it on the screen, I believe, uh, found it's in Leiden, in the Netherlands, in a museum today. Uh, the Egyptians kept a record of this event and it's, it's uh, uh, archaeology has tested what we know to be, the Bible to be true, but uh, in Ippawar 2.10, they, they segmented it and put it in chapters and verses, and it talks about the River Nile. The Nile was, was turned to blood, and uh, it was undrinkable. And the papyrus goes on to say something about the fact that the Chronicles, the ten, 10 plagues of Egypt, of course, and that the servants left their masters. In other words, referring to the Israelites, they left, left their masters, and they... They, they fled in what we know, of course, is the Exodus and, the, and to the Red Sea, and of course, you know the rest of that story. And so this papyrus is in line with the, the Word of God, of course. True science, true archaeology, true history is always in line with the Bible. And when, the Bible, when history contradicts the Bible, believe the, believe the Bible. And uh, God's Word is always true. And so we see this, this, this water was turned to blood, of course, and uh, oh, how we worship water. Sometimes there's nothing better than a glass of water. 
And uh, have you been there before? I'm dry right now. Don't give me a glass of water. Somebody, one of you guys get up and give me a thing of water. I'll be okay. I'll, I'll make it through. I'll survive. But water is good to drink. It's wonderful. It's, it's, it's life-sustaining. I was up at uh, the D.L. Moody uh, uh, camp up in Northfield. Not the camp, but the college up there now. Or the, the Let me try that again. The, the uh, day school. Oh, I'm getting water for my son-in-law. Okay. Did, did you drink out of it? Yes. <laughs> I'll take it. And at the water fountain at... Uh, uh, what's that? I mean, I'm trying to pull it off the top of my head. I can't think of the name of the camp all of a sudden here, or the, the, uh, the private school. Uh, the Mount Hermon, there it is. I just got it. Mount Hermon. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Most of you don't. But Mount Hermon, there's a water fountain right there, and it has on the water fountain on the, the granite base of the water fountain. It has John, 14, John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be to him as well of water springing up into everlasting life. We have many people that drink the water, waters, and everybody drink water every day of our lives, of course. We know it for life-sustaining, but the water of life is offering to come into your heart for and give you water that you'll never thirst again, and people don't reject the water of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they choose to have the gods of this world, and uh, it's so, so so astounding. So we asked a question this morning in regards to what gods do you fear? Do maybe some many fear the gods of their own choosing, their own mind, their own imaginations, their own lust and their own desires. Some choose the gods of their of uh, of simply of their daily living. They're just happy. To, some people are just happy enough to eat and to drink and just, just go through life, just case or sirrah, just whatever will be, will be. Just, just live life day by day and just uh, uh, what's for dinner tonight is the most important thing in the world. And uh, what am I going to eat tomorrow? And that's all that they care about. But then thirdly, there's a third uh, postulate this morning here. Look at verses 19 through 25. Just let me read verse number 19 for time's sake. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt and upon the streams and upon the rivers and upon their ponds and upon all the pools of water that they may become blood. And there, there they may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and vessels of stone. We read verse 20 as well. And Moses and Aaron did so. And the Lord commanded, and he lifted up his rod, or the rod, and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of the servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. Notice that uh, sometimes we serve, we choose to live in fear and serve the gods of personal comfort, our personal comfort. You see, the, this is their livelihood, this, this river of, of Egypt. It not only did, was their sustenance, their daily living, but it was their livelihood. This is how they made their living, of course. And... Uh, it was their comfort. It was their satisfaction. Uh, I don't say this bragging and boasting. I, I look at some of you factory workers and some of you guys that were in a regular job and a regular 40-hour-a-week job or a salary job, and 
Uh, Tim Neal's not here. He's downstairs right now. But I, I always think of Tim. He just comes to my mind. He's an engineer. I thought in another life it'd be fun to be try to be. I don't know if I'd be smart enough to be an engineer, but I like, would like to. I'm intrigued what Tim does. I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I some of you say preacher. You didn't have worked in factory long enough to qualify to say this, but I liked factory work. The couple of few years that I worked in factory, factory, I, a lot of things I enjoy. There's satisfaction in, in work. And product, production and work and so forth. And I enjoy working, and many of you enjoy working. You, become a, you can become a god in your life even. You can enjoy it so much. Some people, they, they love to work, as crazy as that may sound. And you know it's true. And blessed is the person who loves to work over the person who doesn't love to work. And uh, get in trouble when you don't, don't like to work, for sure. But uh, it's their, their comfort here. This, this river was their, their livelihood, their security blanket, their trust, their idol. In 1 John uh, 2, for 15 through 17, the Bible tells us don't, don't make our trust in this world. Some people love the things of this world. The Bible says, love not the world, any of the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Don't get your comfort from your, your security, from your, your employment. I got the sad news on Thursday, and it's very personal, I admit, but I'm sharing it with you. Of course, my son-in-law got called in, full military dress, he was on Thursday morning, of course, and the inevitable, of course, he's in, been in the Navy for 16 years, He's since he's a 19-year-old kid, he said, I'm going to do my 24-year stint just like his father did. I'm going to go through my career path. I'm going to get a great pension. I'm going to go on and work a second career. And everything, he jumped through all the hoops properly and so forth. Well, he's being, he got called in, and uh, they, they, the military searched his Facebook page. They saw him in his uniform, and they, 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 he said some derogatory things from the WHO website. He quoted from the website about the vaccine. And they said, you represent the United States Navy, and you, you put this on your website. It's not the, the views of uh, the United States Navy. So you're going to take a, a formal discharge. You're going to take an honorary, uh, what do they call that? What Honor, honorary, yeah, I guess honorary discharge, or honorable discharge. And you're, you're going to take it. It was a blackmail thing. So you know, my son-in-law, after 16 years, is going to get out of the Navy. But... His, his hope was being in that great career and that great pension for the rest of his life, that he'll not now, now, no longer, he's going to forfeit all that. Where our hope isn't in our job. Our God isn't our job. Our, job isn't our, 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 our God isn't our security and our self-sustaining and our own ability. Our, God, our, our trust is in the Lord. And when we go forward here, of course, these 10 plagues in Egypt, the Israelites were, at, they were in a comfort zone in some ways, even though there was slavery. They were in a comfort zone in Egypt. They had nothing to worry about. 400 years had been there. And it's like, now this crazy old man comes along, Moses, and upsets the, the apple cart. And we're going to have to try to trust in Jehovah God now instead of the gods that we're so used to trusting in. And so we see this. We can sell off. We're not careful for comfort. The Bible says in Amos 6.1, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, that trust in the mountain of Samaria. Sometimes we trust in the the gods of comfort, and sometimes we trust in the gods of prosperity. And there's, in our success, in our riches, in our material possessions. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, the Bible says that, uh, or 
I didn't write down Matthew 6.21. I just tried to do a blank what it says. Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there now I have to look at it up now here. Matthew 6.21. Let me just see what it says myself here. The second I see it, I'm going to say, that's, I knew it said that, and I can't get it out. I'll get there. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, many people, money is the God in their life, the almighty dollar bill, or more than, or more than the almighty God. I know people that have chased money all their entire life. I know an individual, and, I'll be, and nobody else knows this individual except for Sonny. And uh, they spent their whole life, came from the third world country, from, a, from a World War II Germany, or rather from uh, one of the, well, he came from Latvia to be exact. And uh, he came to America 60 years ago, 65 years ago as a young boy. He saved 50% of everything he's ever made in his entire life. If you meet this person, he, you'd think he was a pauper. He's probably a multimillionaire 100 times over. And he saved all his money, to, but he'll never take it with him. He'll never take it with him. And, and, and uh, some people, the Bible says, What shall a profit a man have gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How many people make God their money, their prosperity, their, 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 their God, their comfort, their God? Just, I don't want to rock the boat. I just want to be comfortable in my life. Well, these children of Israel are going to be confronted with having to trust in God, the Lord God of, of, of the ages, of course. And so we ask the question, what gods do you fear? If we're not careful, we can fear the gods of our own choosing. We can fear the gods of simply our daily living. We can choose the gods of comfort and prosperity. But then go back to chapter 7 and look at verses 4 and 5 with me, please, for a moment. Let me read the verses, and I'll give you the last point. Don't turn me off, please. I have a few more minutes here, and we'll be done. Verse number 4, But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you. God already knew that Pharaoh would choose his own gods choose to remain his own God in his eyes and in his people's eyes, that, he may, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies. What? Bring forth his armies. Bring, bring, bring forth these slave people? Been in slavery for 400 years that didn't have a weapon to their name? That didn't have an army, didn't have a chariot to their name? Against this lone superpower? Verse number five. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Um, who is our God this morning? Is our God found in this world? Is our God found in this world of, uh, of our own choosing? Is it, uh, our God found in our, this world of our daily living and is found in our food and our drink? Is it found in our God's found in our comfort, our, our jobs and our prosperity and our, our bank accounts? Is that where our gods are found at? Or our God, our God, is our God found in the Lord God of heaven, the one and only true God, here in the God of all? The Bible says that in verse number four there, that, and, and bring forth mine armies. Think, think who and what God uses. Here in our story, we read about an 80-year-old man on the backside of a desert, in the land of Midian, a broken man, a fugitive, in fact, a vigilante murderer, slow of speech. If we go to chapter 4, and we won't turn there, but many of you know the story well. 
God says, what is that in thine hand? He had a shepherd's rod in his hand, not a bazooka, not a M16, but a shepherd's rod in his hand. And God said, throw it down. I'll, take, uh, I'll use what you have. God used his shepherd's rod and turned it into a serpent and swallowed up the serpents and the rods of the magicians. You know the story. Moses had to convince Moses still. So God said in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, what is that? Take that hand and put it on the bosom. Remember this? Pull it out and it turned to lepers, leprosy. Put it back in and it, turned, it was made whole again. And God used a, used a hand. He can use our hands. He, someone has said God has no hands but our hands. God has no arms but, or no legs but our, our, no feet but our feet. And God, Moses, still wasn't good enough for Moses. So in Exodus 4, Moses protested. He said, I'm slow of speech. I'm slow tongue. God says, who made, your, who made your tongue? Who made your mouth? Then he comes to the couple hundred million, or a couple million, excuse me, slaves for over 400 years. And he turns them into an army with no weapons. And they're going to march to the Red Sea as an army. And the greatest superpower in all the world is going to follow after them in 600 chariots and horses and swords and spears. And they're going to watch as this lone superpower in a moment's time is crushed in the Red Sea and annihilated in the Red Sea. Our God can do great things. He looks at us and he says, thou old man of God. We, he looks at us and we see, we see all of our deficiencies. We see how unclean we are. We see how wicked and how, how frail we are, and God sees us as justified, sanctified, glorified in his, that we, we are, in, in our God, we're in Jehovah Jesus, we, we have the victory, we're more, we're more than conquerors. Go to one last verse, if you could, please. Go to Exodus chapter 15. We looked at this last week, we looked at this two weeks ago, and don't suppose you remember, but in the song of deliverance in in Exodus 15, after they journeyed through the Red Sea and God smote all the enemies of, of uh, children of Israel, the, the Egyptian army, it says in Exodus 15, verse 11, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Now, how many gods are there, class? One more time. How many, two gods are there? One God. He's manifested in three persons. But over and over again, I didn't use several references more than could buttress the point, Jesus said to the Pharisees, ye are gods. And, and we are, we'll never be a god. It's gods are fake. But we're the king. He's, Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Who's the kings? We're going to be kings. He's the lord of lords. Who's the lords? The small lords. We're going to be the lords. We're going to be the gods. We're going to live, we're going to be godlike. And that's the context of these Moses, I'm going to make, uh, make you look like a god in Pharaoh's eyes. One day, people are going to wish, when the great white throne judgment, they're going to look in this, I don't know if it works this way, but they're going to look in the audiences of the great white throne judgment. And they're going to, they're going to hide from the face who's, from whose face they haven't thrown away and they find no place for them. They're going to hide from the throne. They're going to try to. But if they get to look and see the vast throngs all around them, they're going to say, they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to think that we're gods because we're going to reign with God, the God of gods and Lord of lords forever and ever and ever. And they're going to be cast in the lake of fire and forever and ever and ever. 
Acts 10, 36 reminds us about Jesus Christ, that we preach peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. In Acts 17, and verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing he is Lord of heaven and earth. Who do we worship in 2022? Do we worship the gods of our own choosing? The gods of our own mind? The god of fear? The god of science? The god of uh, authority? And the god of education? Or do we worship... The God of our daily living, do we just live for food and drink and for just, just the niceties of life? Do we serve the gods of comfort and the gods of prosperity? Or do we serve the one and only, do we, do we fear this morning, the one and only true God of heaven? And all God's people said, amen to that. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to, you said in a chiding form in our text verse for our entire year, Jeremiah 5, 24, And now let us fear the Lord, our God. Dear God, forgive us when we fear other gods, small g. Forgive us when we make ourselves a God, when we choose our own way. Lord, forgive us, Lord, when we choose to, Lord, live for the gods of our daily sustenance, food and water, food and drink, and maybe for our daily comfort and our prosperity. Help us to trust in the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, and mind. That's true worship. Help us to walk with thee, we pray, Lord. Have your will and way in our lives. Have thine own way, Lord, to have it in our hearts this morning, we pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. It's page number 155.